Welcome to the Real Raw You podcast. I'm your host, Katie Duda, a certified nutrition and digestive health coach, sharing with you how to navigate the noisy wellness world that exists today by cutting through it with an anti-diet, science-backed approach. I use my experience of overcoming a long battle with anorexia to now educate and empower you to step into your full potential. I share approachable tips both on and off the plate for how to fuel your body, mind, and spirit with nourishing choices so that you can finally have the energy, clarity, and confidence you desire but have been unable to achieve it in this ever-confusing and ever-changing diet-focused culture. I'm so honored that you're here. Let's get into it. Well, hey there, and I am so excited that this is finally happening. You are listening to episode one of the Real Raw You podcast. I'm your host, Katie Duda, and this podcast is where we talk about all things related to how to find balance in the quote-unquote wellness world and navigating what the heck does that even mean how to not be so consumed by reading food labels and counting calories and over-exercising and just finally feeling free from all of that. To be able to be empowered to make decisions that are going to lift you up and raise your vibration. And so we talk about all things related to food and how to find balance with friends and social settings and also most importantly, how to actually feel connected and thriving to your own life. And that comes from a lot of deep work of discovering who you are and owning that truth and removing labels that have been put on you by either your parents or society and really tapping into your own potential and your own truth and owning that and finding a way to live in that authentic alignment. So I am so excited for all the things to come. I've been wanting to put a podcast together for well over probably four years. But of course, those negative talks and thoughts in my own head telling me I didn't have anything interesting to say has held me back. And to be honest, I don't even know if anyone will listen to this podcast, but I sure hope they do because Heck, I've got a lot of really cool things to say, and I have a story and a past that I think is pretty relatable to quite a few people out there struggling today, and I want to put it out into the world. I think that God put me through the struggles that I went through in order to help be a vessel to heal others, and so I am doing a disservice, by gosh darn it, and the Midwestern in me is coming out with these sayings by not sharing it. So I'm going to share a little bit about my story and a little bit about who I am so that you know who the host is behind this podcast. And my hope is, is that this is inspiring, this is informative, and this leaves you feeling you like you're not alone and that you can share and send this podcast to anyone else who you think would find it of value. So my story, I'm a Minnesota born and raised girl and I recently, as of about almost two years ago, have now been residing in San Francisco, California with my recent husband who we've been together for almost eight years. We have a two-year-old golden retriever 
named Fulton, named after our favorite beer back in Minnesota, to remind us a little bit of our home that we grew up in. And I have a deep passion for helping other females break free from food restrictions and food rules and labels, and also just helping bring awareness to the fact that health is not just about food and exercise. Um, Very much an important aspect of it for sure. There's just no denying it, but there's also an incredible um, important element of the emotional and mental component of taking care of ourselves that um, is often overlooked. So what I do, uh, I am a holistic health coach and I specialize in digestive health. And how I got to this journey was certainly not linear. I had an eating disorder around the age of 16 years old. And that really lasted me from a calorie in, calorie out mental mindset for about seven years. Um, I really grew up in a pretty high pressured household. I put a lot of pressure on myself in terms of always needing to do really well in school and in sports and put a lot of uh, pressure on the way that I looked. And that was kind of the way that I was praised was uh, for looking a certain way and uh, not to anyone's fault. I think that was the society that we grew up in. It was like, I can't believe it's not butter and fat free this and skinny cows that. It was like fat is the devil and nobody wanted to get fat. And so skinny was trending. And, uh, you know, I think what girl doesn't worry about their body image at some point? Mine just went a little bit extreme. At my lowest point at 19 years old, I went off into college and I was at 89 pounds. I'm five foot eight, by the way. So I was deathly ill. And I that was when I really hit rock bottom. I came home for fall break from college and I certainly didn't think that there was anything wrong with me. I remember vividly going into the Emily program, which was a, uh, it is still a very viable and great option for uh, inpatient care or outpatient care. And they outsourced me to a cardiologist because there was a EKG abnormality. And I remember telling them, I'm totally fine. I just ran four miles this morning. You know, what are you guys? They wanted to keep me impatient. And I remember just like feeling like everyone was against me and so confused and uh, totally abandoned. And I will never forget this, but this was my rock bottom point was when I was in the cardiologist's room and at the age of 19, they told me because my heart rate was so low at 38 beats per minute that I needed to have a pacemaker planted in me to in order to keep me alive. And I that was the moment where I just realized I hit the ground. I started bawling. I looked at my parents. I couldn't believe as to how I got myself into this place. And I would do anything to, you know, to take back what I, what I put my body through, what I put my parents through, what I, how selfish of a disorder it was. And that was really when I was introduced to God and uh, at a personal level and, and like, what does it really mean to have a relationship with him? And I grew up in the Catholic church, but I was, I felt really disconnected and it felt like a lot of rules and do this, don't do that. And, uh, really unapproachable, but I learned about Jesus in a whole new way. And that was really the, the saving grace for me, truly uh, at the age of 19, it was like I realized how selfish of a disorder it was and how much I put so much pressure and, and you know, time and focus on my own body of looking a certain way when in reality, that is not what we were 
going to be known for at our time on this earth. If you have a level of component of faith in your life, whether it's God or something else, a higher source, you know that your time here is temporary on earth. And when you leave this earth, the last thing you're going to be asked about or known for is your body weight and how thin you were or how in shape you were. And so obsessing about it to the point where it consumes you to the degree that it did to me is just not a way to live your life. And so that's why I am so passionate about working with people and helping them realize that as well of like, no, no, you were put on this earth here to do something far greater than just worry about your workout classes and eat well. You do those things, you work out and you eat well to fuel your body, your temple that God gave you to nourish so that you can flourish and have the energy to serve and to love other people, whether that's in the workplace, if that's your calling is to be a light in the darkness or in your career of maybe your occupation is doing something similar of a line of work that I do, we it's the way of which why we're doing it that matters. And it makes all the difference of if you're doing it just a certain to only look a certain way versus you're doing it to honestly take care of your body for long-term sustainability so that you can be your best self, you can be the best mom, you can be the best dad, coworker, boss, etc. So that's my story in a nutshell. And it's been a journey for sure. I I definitely didn't start out knowing I wanted to be a health coach. It came to me later at around 25, 26 years old after working four or five years in the corporate world and kind of selling my life to it and burning at both ends of the candle, being chronically stressed out and doing things by the rule book, quote unquote, by exercising and eating well. But I had this, this chronic stress and I felt so fatigued, so tired and really bloated all of the time. And I just knew that I could not live this way and that if this was what health meant, then screw it because I was going to fall asleep behind the keyboard. I was always thinking about food. I was anxious all the time. And the reality was is that I wasn't sleeping and I wasn't doing a lot of these things that I find a lot of my clients neglect as well. No fault of their own. It's just simply we're not told that in the wellness, quote unquote, wellness industry. It's like just eat your greens, drink your water and go for a run every day. And there's just so much more to health. You know, I really believe in primary food and secondary food and finding a balance between the two. And primary food actually having nothing to do with what you eat. So primary food is things like your stress levels, your sleep, your finances, your faith, your career, you know, physical exercise that honors your body and, you know, the way of which you you love yourself. And and if you've gone through a health journey similar to mine, you know that also eating disorders don't ever really start at the food level. You know, there's always something deeper. And so it's really about educating you and and helping you peel back the layers of saying, okay, what's actually going on here? And why do you feel the need to have to control your food? Because some other level of your life is out of control. And that's, and that's really what I'm out to do is to help educate on whole nourishing foods to honor your body, honor that temple for the, for you to feel vibrant and thrive and have great skin and good gut health and f- just to be energetic because that's what our bodies are meant to do and to not feed it with, you know, the processed foods that unfortunately 80% of us are eating as the standard American diet. No fault of your own. When we know better, we do better, right? And, you know, finding that balance with also finding purpose in this world beyond just obsessing about exercise and food, finding a way to feel connected to why you're here 
and having that greater purpose to having relationships and friendships that flourish and nourish you and don't deplete you and you know setting boundaries and honoring that with yourself and with others is so so very important so I want to walk away with giving you three simple tips that have nothing to do with food that if you walk away from this podcast whether you're listening to it in the morning afternoon or night and you implement it tonight and tomorrow morning is just kind of a combination of honoring that nighttime and morning routine. I promise you that within just a matter of a few days of staying consistent with it, you will feel so much better. I see clients with anxiety going down, cravings being reduced, and just in general feeling more energetic and connected to to life. So if that sounds good, I'm just going to go ahead and dive right in. So my tip number one is sleep. Sleep, 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 my friends. It is something that is so overlooked and in such a go, go, go society. Um, you know, it's almost like a badge of honor for how little we sleep, how little we've slept the night before and how often, how many hours we crushed at the office. And, you know, I get it in that it can't be perfect every single night, but I'm asking you to prioritize it. Like it's a, the most important meeting on your calendar because sleep, if you haven't read the book, why we sleep, I, couldn't encourage it more. It is such a life-changing book and I will say no more. If you've read the book, you know and you get it and you are tracking with me and you're like, yes, Katie, I am getting my eight hours of sleep at least a night. But it really is one of the most overlooked assets that we do have in our toolkit to healing any relationship. So I strive for eight hours. Sometimes my body needs nine. But just the Katie one year ago, maybe even six months ago, I was six hours of sleep because I had to get up at 4.30 every day to go to the gym and do the high intensity workouts. And and I realized finally after years of saying, I'm not seeing any results for how hard I'm working. I'm constantly hungry and I genuinely just feel extremely inflamed. I finally realized after seeing a functional medicine doctor, well, that's there's science behind that. My cortisol levels are completely through the roof. There's inflammation all over my body and I'm super stressed out because I'm not getting enough sleep. My body isn't detoxing properly and uh, my hormones were through the roof. So hormones, cravings, anxiety, all those things subside, you guys, when you get deep restorative sleep. I promise you, if there's one health tip you walk away from this podcast in, how many episodes I plan to do, sleep will be the common ailment thread through all of the themes. It's so, so, so very important. The second I figure that out, I, f- I instantly feel much more calm. My cravings, I don't crave really snacks anymore between meals. I can make much more educated decisions on food, not just grabbing for the quick energy and my bloating has completely subsided. My tip number two is how we wake up. Are you waking up the right way? Or are you waking up the wrong way? Chances are, If I had to guess, when you wake up, you probably the first thing you do is look at your phone. Am I right? Yes, I know. I know. You're like, Katie, what else am I supposed to do? I have a million things to do. There just isn't enough time in the day and I have to get going with social media and the emails and my boss needs me to reply and da 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 da. I hear it all. I've been there. I've done it all. I've come up with all of the excuses and I was finally deciding I'm so tired of feeling so reactive and anxious all day. And I took my friend Mel Robbins up on it with her uh, challenge to take 10 minutes in the morning 
to not look at your phone the first thing. I actually don't even sleep with my phone next to me anymore. I put it on airplane mode and I keep it outside in the kitchen. We live in a small San Francisco apartment, so I can hear that ringer go off. But the most important thing, even if the if the phone is in your bedroom, don't have it be right by your bed. Don't have that temptation there. That's just torture. It's like putting, you know, chocolate in front of your face if you're you're trying to cut back on sugar. I mean, come on, willpower will always win. So do yourself a solid. Don't put it next to you. Put it away from where you actually physically have to get up when the alarm goes off. You're going to decrease your chances of hitting that snooze button. And the problem with snooze buttons is Mel Robbins teaches it perfectly. So if you have listened, then I'm repeating this for you, but it serves as a good reminder. The snooze button actually makes us more groggy and we aren't able to actually get into our full state of alertness and flow for four hours into the morning. And the reason being is our sleep cycles are at a minimum of 90 minutes. And so a snooze button, typically you're only snoozing 10, 15 minutes in increments. And so you're never able to fully go back into that deep state of sleep. So you're constantly hovering and you're, it's what's called sleep inertia. So you're literally, you might feel groggy and drunk almost when you wake up if you've continuously hit the snooze button. And that's because you're not getting back into a deep state of restorative sleep. And so your body is truly acting like it's, it's sleep inertia. It's like you're drunk. And it takes that much longer to get your body alert and awake and saying, oh, it's time to wake up. So I don't hit the snooze button and I don't look at my phone for 10 minutes. If you do those things alone after eight hours of sleep, you say not looking at the phone for five minutes and I'm not going to hit the snooze button. You are going to be far light years ahead from many, many, many people. And that will set you up for great, great success for the day. The reason why we don't look at our phone is because you have to think about it. You're the most vulnerable and precious in the morning. You're very sensitive and you're very impressionable. So if you're looking at an email that pisses you off, you look at social media where the next, you know, Kardashian is out, you know, on her private jet doing things that you're like, I don't have that in my life. You already are starting yourself off by feeling less than, which I mean, that is automatically going to set you up for feeling self-conscious, going into a state of comparison, negative thoughts are going to start to creep in. So just don't do it. The phone has way too many temptations. Even if you say, I'm just using it to look at your notes section or whatever, how tempting is it to just swipe on over to Instagram or open up that email? Don't do it. Give yourself 10 minutes to genuinely analyze and do a little morning routine. I have my favorite morning routine template. I give it to my newsletter subscribers. If you're not on my newsletter, I I encourage you to subscribe. That will be in the body of this podcast. Um, I do give out my morning routine template to my newsletter subscribers. It's a simple five-minute thing. We're not asking you to write a book. We're not asking you to to meditate for 20 minutes even. It's simple five minutes. It can be more if you have it great. Probably takes me about seven minutes, but it will set you up for the right way. And my last tip, my last tip is to breathe. Yes, breathe. And this is not the breathing that we subconsciously do and that genuinely gets us through living our life without us even really having to think about it. That's the beautiful thing. God created us and our bodies are such incredibly self-sufficient machines. However, I'm talking about the breathing in your belly, the breathing where you feel your belly actually rise and fall. I call it deep belly breathing and deep belly breathing will 
do what amazing things but my most favorite is it will it will take you from a state of fight or flight which is chronic stress and your literally fight or flight state is is what is also known as uh parasympathetic or excuse me sympathetic overdrive sympathetic dominant our central nervous system has two nervous systems i'm not going to get too scientific on you in this first podcast don't worry but we will we will have some for my for my nerd out friends like me but this the sympathetic nervous system essentially means it's the red zone it's the fight or flight it's when you hit um you know a traffic light that pisses you off you're late for a work deadline you're stuck in traffic and you can't control it you're um on the go someone sent you a pissed off, an email that pisses you off i mean honestly most of us spend about 90 plus percent of our day here and it's a big problem it's it's okay for acute situations but for the degree of which we spend our day in this par- in this excuse me sympathetic nervous system it's not okay and we need to start learning how to get into the parasympathetic nervous system and one of the best ways to snap from sympathetic to parasympathetic is what i like to call my 777 breathing method i like to call it box breathing and it is a it is an instant way to relax you and what it what it is is it's your whole you're inhaling for 7 seconds and you're really inhaling. You're holding that breath in for 7 seconds and then you're fully exhaling with the mouth for 7 seconds. And we just repeat that 3 to 4 times. My friends, within less than 1 minute, you are going to instantly feel calmer. Your body is going to be in the parasympathetic nervous system, which it will start to decrease that inflammation. The cortisol levels are going to go down. You're going to go into a digestive state. So especially if you're around mealtime, it's going to start to digest that food properly. And it's just a great tool to have in your back pocket when you start to feel stressed out or not. Just even to say, can I do a one, one box belly breathing session a day, two minutes. So those are my three tips, you guys. Getting that eight hours of sleep. Don't take it lightly and don't take it from me. Just read the book, Why We Sleep. Your chances of Alzheimer's, diabetes, cancer, you guys, they go up by so much by just one poor night of sleep. Um, it's its mind-blowing, these statistics. So take it in your own hands. You have the power. You have the tools. I'm giving you this book, if you don't believe me, to back you with over 700 pages of research and statistics. This guy's a genius. Waking up the right way, not looking at your phone and not hitting the snooze button, and breathing the right way inhaling and exhaling. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode number one, and I look forward to seeing you guys back here. Same time, same place next week. Bye for now. 